Charles Watson was born again on May 23, 1975, at the California Men's Colony. His transformation can best be described as amazing grace. Here's one of his messages from his early years of ministry. Until I see the man, the prince of be talking about sowing and reaping. You know, sowing and reaping is a principle of God. Amen. Sowing and reaping is uh, to do with farming, amen? Not a mechanic or some kind of salesman. See, we don't go out and sell the gospel, and we don't go out and repair lives and fix up old lives. What we do, we go and plant the Word of God in lives, and it does the fixing, amen? We sow the Word of God in people's lives. We sow the love of God in people's lives. And this morning for the Scripture, I'd like for you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 talks about sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping, planting seeds, planting seeds in the ground, planting seeds in the heart of mankind so that the Word can spring up and give life not only to you but to others so that you might go out and plant more seeds. See, that's a principle in the kingdom of God is to plant seeds in the life of men. Because the seed is the Word of God, and the Word of God is spirit and life. And we go and plant that Word, plant the Word, plant the love of God in mankind. That Word we plant is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but everlasting life. That's the Word we plant. You hear that word, you believe on that word, and all of a sudden that word begins to start growing and developing and taking root in you, and you get grounded and settled in that word, and you believe in that word, and pretty soon you become a child of God, amen? By believing and trusting in Jesus, and life springs up from the word that goes forth. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault a mistake or misconduct, some sin of some sort. Ye which are spiritual, in other words, the Christians, the ones that are controlled by the Spirit, they have to do something. They have to restore or set that man right. They have to restore such a one in the Spirit of meekness concerning thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Then it says to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You say, now Charles, what is this fulfilling the law of Christ? Well, the law of Christ is the law of love. Christ is love. And the law of Christ is love. And if we bear one another's burdens, we're going to be loving that brother. Over in chapter 5, just looking over on the other page there, maybe in your Bible, chapter 5 of Galatians, verse number 14, it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we need to bear one another's burdens, and if we're doing that, we're going to be loving one another and planting seeds of love in all mankind. 
Well, when we witness, we plant seeds of love, God's love, the gospel. Jesus was planted in the ground, sprung forth life, and we plant that love. But even after we become Christians and those of the household of faith, we're to continue to love them too. And we're to all come together in the love of God. Jesus said this. There was one of the Pharisees came up to him and he says, Hey, what's the great commandment? He said, It's love. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And in this hang all the law and the prophets. It's love. We plant love. So I'd like to say just on the offset of this message this morning that the seed we plant is the word of God, but that word is love. That word is the word of love that we plant. Now, for the sake of time, let's go down to verse number 7 if we can in Galatians 6. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I think you know that, don't you? So that means if we sow love, we're going to reap love. If we sow hatred, we're going to reap hatred. So it says, whatsoever you sow, that and only that shall you reap. That and only that shall thou reap. Now it goes on to say in verse number 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Well, we want to sow to the Spirit, don't we? We don't want to sow to the flesh. Now, as born-again Christians, we know that we have a new spirit inside of us. Down inside of us, we've been born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives inside of us. That's 1 Peter 1, 23. Then in 1 John 5, I've learned that we've been born of God. And if we've been born to God, been born again, been born to the kingdom of God, have the kingdom of God inside of us, we're born of love, aren't we? And we've got love inside of us down here. Amen? But this says here, He which soweth to the flesh shall reap flesh, and he which soweth to the Spirit shall reap spirit. You say, now what is this flesh? Well, we've got to go back to chapter 5 for that. We studied about that another Sunday morning here a while back when we found out all these works of the flesh here. These works of the flesh here listed in Galatians 5, 19 are manifest, and we read that they were adultery, fornication, uncleansness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance or strife, emulations, wrath, anger, seditions, hearsays, the party spirit, prejudices, envyings, quarrelings, all those kind of things. Those are the things of the flesh. And then it goes on down here and it says these other things are the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the gentleness, the kindness, the faith, the self-control. That are, is the things of the Spirit. So you say, Charles, where are those things? Well, there's demons all over the place. That's all the flesh out there, the, the things of the world, the demons that are coming at your mind trying to get you to think hatred, trying to get you to go out and rip off your brother's wife, trying to get you to go out and lust here, trying to get you to go out and backbite here. All those things of the flesh, they're hitting your mind, amen? They're hitting your mind, see? But then God's Word is over here, the things of the Spirit, and you get into the Word of God and saturate yourself in the Word of God and meditate upon the Word of God, renew your mind with the Word of God, and you got all those things. Well, see, that's what this Scripture here said right before 
It talked about the flesh and the spirit. It said the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. The flesh don't want that spirit to operate in your life. Amen? The flesh wants to do this. It wants to bombard your mind with all kinds of thoughts and keep that Holy Spirit that's inside of you from coming out. And if you allow that to happen, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you is going to be quenched and you're not going to be loving your brother. So if we sow to the flesh, if we let seeds of the flesh be planted in our thought life, you're going to reap the flesh. But if you let the seeds of the Spirit be sown in your mind and renew your mind by the Word of God, you'll find that the Spirit will begin to come out and love one another as it's supposed to. Now let me go on and explain this to you just a little bit better. Here in verse number 24 of Galatians 5, 24, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and the lust. You have to crucify those affections and lust. You have to crucify the flesh. Do you understand where I'm coming from this morning? You have to crucify the flesh. You said, now Charles, how do I crucify the flesh? By faith in the fact that Jesus Christ crucified the flesh. Glory to God. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus put sin and lust and idolatry and all the flesh underneath his feet. And if you put faith in what Jesus Christ did and crucify that flesh, crucify those demons that are coming at you, crucify and put those garbage thoughts that's coming at you under the blood of Jesus of Nazareth, you'll find out that the Spirit of God will begin to move through you. The devil wants to come in and he wants to rip your thought life off. And if he can get you to thinking idolatry, if he can get you to thinking all the garbage of this world, if he can get you to think lust, if he can get you to think Playboy magazine, and if he can get you to think all the things that you're very capable of doing in this institution. If he can get you to run in with the wrong crowd and getting in some kind of party backbiting spirit against the Christians, if he can get prejudices going in your mind and getting you to think all kinds of garbage about this and about that, he's ruling your thought life and therefore you're going to be sowing to the flesh and you're going to reap flesh because you're going to be quenched and grieve the Holy Spirit of God that's living inside of you. But if you crucify that flesh and put those garbage thoughts underneath your feet, resist the devil, put on the full armor of God, put on that breastplate of righteousness, put on your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and put on the full armor of God, and pull out your sword of the Spirit, and hit that devil with faith in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who rose from the dead and conquered sin and all that lust, and get victory over that glory to God, you'll be sowing to the Spirit, and the Spirit will come forth. It's just that simple. Not quenching the Spirit of God. He says you either sow to the flesh or you sow to the Spirit. You sow to the Spirit, glory to God, because you're a Christian. This is a principle of God. If you let the flesh sow in your mind, you will reap it. If you let the love of God, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the life of God, rule your hearts and minds, glory to God, so it'll be unto you outwardly a victorious life. This is God's principle that we're talking about. 
God wants to produce love in this world. He wants to produce his life in this world. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Who is the I in Paul? Sure. It's the Spirit of God that lives inside of him. Amen. The real you has been born again. Glory to God. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. My spirit's crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And because he was living by that faith in Jesus Christ, he was crucifying his flesh, glory to God, and not letting any demon of hell rule over his fault life. And glory to God, he was producing the love of God everywhere he went, the life of God. A victorious witness for Jesus Christ. This is God's principle that we're talking about this morning. Go with me to the book of Genesis for a second. We know that God spoke the word in the beginning. God was sowing love in the beginning. Amen. God had no reason to sow hate. God spoke his word and said, let there be light. He created light. He spoke his word and light was. That's a principle of God. God sowed it, and that's what he got. God next said, let there be heaven, and there was heaven. He said, let there be earth, seas, grass, and herbs, and fruit. And then he said, let them have seed that they may yield after their own kind. See, that's a principle of God. When God planted seeds in the earth, they yielded after their own kind. He also went on and said, let there be the waters, the fowls, the whales, and the cattle. And then he said, let us make men, man in our image, in the image of God. Did you know when God in the beginning created you in his image, you know what he expected to get back? Himself. His image. Amen. He expected to get back his image. See, in Galatians chapter, I mean, in Genesis chapter 128, he said, Man, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and take dominion over it. Glory to God. He wanted man to have dominion over the world, dominion over the flesh, dominion over anything that would come. Then in chapter 2 of Genesis chapter 2, 7, it says, And he formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life. God wanted his life back from his children. Amen? You can see it coming, can't you? So he said, children, he said, eat off the tree of life. And don't eat off the tree of good and evil. But what happened? Eve got deceived. You know what happened? She allowed Satan to come along and plant his seed. Amen. Allowed Satan to come along and plant his seed in mankind. And what does the Word tell us? The Word tells us that wherefore as one, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and death so passed upon all men for all have sinned. The thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy the life of God. Amen. 
God had him a perfect body there in his garden. And in his garden, he planted his seed, planted his life, and that's what he wanted back, his life. But then man yielded to Satan and began to allow the flesh to be sown in them. See, that's what it means when you sow to the Spirit, you reap the Spirit. And when you sow to the flesh, as Satan sowed to the flesh of mankind, what came out? Flesh. Sin. Upon all mankind. Sin just began to roll forth through the earth, dominating everything. Man quenched the Spirit of God. For Adam's offense, by Adam's offense, Romans 5, 17 tells us that death reigned upon all mankind. But then it tells us about one that come who was the name of Jesus Christ with the gift of righteousness so that life could reign upon all mankind. What God did? Planted a new seed. Amen. Planted a new seed. Planted his son. Poured out his spirit upon Mary. Glory to God. And the seed of God came into Mary. And she brought forth the Son of God. So that man could get back into the right condition that he wanted. The life. The word of God. God made him a new body. The second Adam. Says he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus that came to rescue mankind and to do the works of God. He fulfilled the law, it says. He came to not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. And that law that he fulfilled was God's law, and he fulfilled it by the law of love. And he went through the earth. As God's perfect man, as God intends for us to be. Amen. Doing good, doing life, not death. We know death wasn't God's perfect plan. But God planted his seed. Let me reiterate in the Garden of Eden, God planted his seed in Jesus. And now God has planted his seed in us by the Holy Ghost. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Amen. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's not corruptible anymore. Amen. It's life. It's life. And that's the way that God intends for us to live. Jesus, the seed of God, was planted into the ground at the resurrection. You know, Jesus said something else about sowing and reaping, too. He said, except the corn of wheat be planted into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But when it dies, it brings forth fruit. How about that? That's what Jesus said. See, God's full intention is that we sow and reap. Sow and reap. It works. And when that life came forth and he poured that life off in us, now he intends for us to go and minister that same life to others so that they too can be delivered from the corruption that Satan brought into the world. 
The Word of God tells us that if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be planted in the likeness of His resurrection. See, what a lot of people forget, when Jesus went down into that grave and was planted down in the ground as the seed of God and sprung forth life, that was for you and me. For you and me. And what we have to do, we have to line up our life with that now. We have to say, yes, I accept his death on the cross for me. Yes, I accept his crucifixion. Yes, I accept his planting down into the ground. I, I, I receive his death down there, but I also receive his eternal life because he resurrected. And if that same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall also make alive your mortal bodies. Makes you alive. Makes you alive in Christ Jesus. Alive, alive, alive. So that we can go forth and plant seeds. Turn with me for a second over to 1 Corinthians Chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse number 6. Paul is talking about sowing and reaping. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul says, I have planted, Apollo watered, but God gave the increase. Our life is a life of sowing and reaping. You want a life fashioned after God, fashion it as he planted his word of God in the Garden of Eden to bring forth life. If you want to fashion your life after Jesus Christ, in which we are admonished to by Paul in the book of Ephesians 5.1, that we're to follow after Christ as dear children, being imitators of him, We're to fashion our life after a life of sowing life into the world now. And that life which we sow is the Word of God. And it says here that I have planted Apollo watered. You know, if you go forth and if you plant a watermelon seed, you're going to get a watermelon and not an orange. Amen? If you go forth and plant the Word of God, you're going to get back the Word of God. If you plant the life of God in someone and the Spirit of God in someone, you're going to get back that spirit. You're going to get back that life in that person. And Apollo watered. He came along and watered what Paul had planted. And it goes on to say, And God, but God, the Holy Ghost, gives the increase. Amen. So then neither is he that planteth anything or he that watereth anything, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We are to go forth as one. In this Corinthian church, they were having a problem who they were going to follow. They had a division in there. Well, am I going to go over here and see Paul preach? Or am I going to go over here and listen to Apollo? Or am I going to go over here and see Cephas? Or am I going to go over here and hear about Christ? They had a party spirit. They were divided. You know, I see some traits in, in, the, in our congregation like that. 
You know, just so long as the Word is being preached and so long as someone else is coming over and watering it, brother, I believe that God is going to give the increase. We're to sow and reap as a body, as one, not a bunch. I think there's some of us in here that thinks we're God's gift to mankind. And then unless they hear the Word of God from us, they can't hear it from nobody else. Amen? But we all work together as one, whether we're black, white, Mexican, Chinese, whatever. We all hear the Word of God from one. In the Garden of Eden, when God planted His Word, I don't believe He saw a bunch of colors down there. I believe Satan came along and messed up the coloring process. Amen. I don't know if this is a color of Christ or not up here on this picture, but I tell you what, I believe he was the color that God wanted him to be, and I believe all this coloring system we got here has just been mixed up. I believe it's been mixed up by the devil. But I believe God wants to bring it back and for us to be able to look at one another in the Spirit and not get our colors mixed up. Amen. And just recognize that we're all one in Christ and that we all have something to do. And that's plant the Word of God in our life first and in other lives next. Amen? See, God's perfect intent is that His life get planted into the world. Then Satan comes along and messes up that Word. Satan is still trying to mess up that Word. He's trying to mess up the Word that is being sown in your mind. You go and study the Word of God and get in your room and get all charged up by the Word of God, walk out on your tear, and all of a sudden somebody wants to hit you. He's trying to mess up the Word of God just like he did in the beginning. Amen? See, Satan's our enemy. We shouldn't be the enemy of one another. We're all to plant the Word of God together as one, just as God did through Adam and planting it in the garden, just as God did through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ moved out and ministered to the Jews and to the Gentiles and everybody that he came to, and then the apostles moved out with that same Word of God, and then man started messing it up. Amen? But now we're getting back to the Word. Getting back to what we're supposed to do as a whole, as one in Christ, and minister the Word of God to all these lost people out in this world and teach them how to overcome the devil through the blood of Jesus and then teach them how to walk a good, prosperous life in the Lord. Victorious life. See, our intention is to walk in the Word here in this chapel. If you're going to be a minister in this chapel, we're going to walk as one. And what we're going to do, we're going to be overcoming together as one, praying for one another as one, believing for one another as one. And we're going to be moving out in power as one and not all these little old divisions. That quenches the Word of God. You might not believe this, but over in Galatians, those things that he was talking about there, those fruits of the flesh, you know what the number one thing was? Divisions, party spirits, factions, variances and strifes, quarrelings, and all that garbage. That's the flesh that we as the body of Christ are letting in. And what it's doing is stopping the Spirit of God. If you sow that kind of division and garbage in the congregation, you're going to reap it. 
You know why we've got a good congregation here this morning? Because we're putting our foot down on it and not letting it hinder our life anymore. And we're coming together as one and ministering together. And we're sowing the Spirit in our mind, the Spirit of God. And therefore, it's producing the Spirit. And we see it all over this congregation. Amen. Glory to God. As one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Amen. For we're laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. Huh. You know what that word husbandry is? Garden. Fill. See, God is the husbandman. He's the one that runs the garden. Amen. He's the one that ran the Garden of Eden. He's the one that had his spirit and sent his son to earth to work. And now he's the one that's running this garden of ours. Amen. He's the one that does the cultivation. That word means farm, cultivation, field, garden. We're the garden of God. And God cultivates his garden and makes us grow. We're God's garden. We don't belong to any particular ministry or any particular minister. We're all one in God. We're just planting the seeds and watering, and God comes along and gives the increase. You are all God's building. We're God's building, amen? We're God's building. Say that. I'm God's building. Now, looky here. You're God's building. You have the Holy Ghost inside of you. But you know there's all kinds of things trying to knock that building down. All kinds of things that's trying to knock that building down. God had a building in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? He had Adam there. Adam was his building. He had planted his life in Adam and Satan come along and knocked it down by yielding to sin. Satan wants to come along and knock your building down, wants to knock God's building down wants to come at each stone, pluck them out, and make the building fall down from the foundation down. But he says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, a skillful architect, that means, I have laid the foundation, Paul is talking about, and another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Take heed how you build thereupon. The foundation has been laid. How many born-again Christians have we got in here? The foundation has been laid. Your foundation has been laid. And the foundation has been laid that you have been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who came to defeat the works of the devil, who came to put life back in mankind that Satan took away, who came to resurrect and give life to all mankind, the blood of Jesus Blotted out the handwritings and the ordinances that was against you. Your foundation is laid on Jesus Christ. But it says, take heed how you build upon that. How are you going to build upon that? You just don't come to Jesus and begin to minister. You may share with your neighbor what happened to you in a testimony, but I mean public ministry. You just don't come to Jesus and think that that's it. Now you're just ready to just minister away. No, you've got to build upon that foundation. The foundation is in a rock, amen? You know the story of the three little pigs? 
One little pig built his house of straw, and a big bad wolf came along and said, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down, and the wolf did just that. Amen? No, no, Mr. Wolf, don't blow my house down. Another little pig came along, his house was made of, made of wood. And the big bad wolf came along and said, Mr. Pig, come out. And he says, no, 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 I'm not going to come. He said, I'll huff and puff and blow your house down. That's just what he did. He huffed and puffed and blew his house down. Amen? And there was a little pig that made his house out of brick. And that big bad wolf, he blew and blew and blew and blew till he was so exhausted he could barely climb up on the roof. But when he got up there, he fell right down through the chimney, right into a big old thing of hot water. Amen? Well, that's how it is to be with the devil coming at us. We're to build our house upon a solid rock, the Word of God. And when that devil comes at us, glory to God, hallelujah, he's going to end up a bunch of hot water. Amen? Amen. Praise God. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone. You know, I learned something here the other day when I was doing my studies. You can learn something if you study the Word of God. Those gold and precious stones and all that silver, it comes from underneath the ground. Amen. Good foundation down there. Amen. You're building upon that stuff. You know, you got it grounded. Amen. But where's that wood, hay, and stubble? See, it's up on top of the earth, and it can burn up, can't it? It's subject to fire, amen? It can burn up. So you've got to be careful where you build. Do you either build upon gold, or you build upon wood? Every man shall be, every man, or every man's work shall be made manifest. In other words, it shall be openly known. For the day shall declare it. There's going to be a day that's going to declare where you build your house. You know, you may be able to fool me or that brother next to you of where you're building on. You may be looking like the best born-again Christian there is, and I'm talking to myself too. But I tell you what, there's going to be one day that all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and it's going to be disclosed where we really had our house built upon. Amen. You might be able to hide now wherever you're hiding and whatever you're hiding in your life, but one day the works of the flesh in your life are going to be disclosed for all to see, plainly opened. It, it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try or test or critically appraise the character of you. In other words, it shall appraise the character of your work and what sort of work it is. If any man's work abide, in other words, if your work abides here on earth, if it survives, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved by fire, yet so as by fire. But here's the whole thing right here. You're God's building. Paul tells you, he says, hey, he says, build a grounded foundation in the Word of God, in the goal, amen? Then he comes along and he says, hey, don't you understand who you are? Know you not that you are the temple of God? 
that you have the life of God living inside of you. Read this with me. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Don't you know that this morning? You know that, don't you? It says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? You're the temple of God. Don't you know that you're the temple of God? In the Old Testament, here's what the temple did. The temple moved around as God moved around and God lived in the back of that temple. You remember that? But the men that lived, the children of Israel that lived around the, the tabernacle, they brought the blood of the goats and the sacrifices up to the priest and they took and they confessed their sins and washed their consciousness, consciences and their mind and their soul of all sin by that blood of the Lamb. And as they did that, they would go away, but they would have to come back and do it again and again and again and get a rewashing to keep their consciences and minds right with God. But God's priest, after he would take those sacrifices, he would go in and give it to God and hear from God and then go out and minister God's word to the people. You're the temple of God. Jesus Christ is the great high priest. Now all you have to do is come in the blood of Jesus Christ and confess your sins unto him, and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness of thought. Amen? And as you continue to stay cleansed from that flesh, and as you continue to overcome that flesh, the Spirit of God that is inside of you will rise up inside of you, and you will be able to minister it as the king and as the priest and the joint heir with Christ that you are. You're the temple of God. What did the temple do in the Old Testament? It went around ministering the Word. Amen. What did Jesus Christ do as he came and tabernacled and templed as God's son among us? He ministered the word of God. Now that you've been born again of that same word of God and you are the temple of God, what are you supposed to do? Minister the word of God. Sow the word of God in this world. Sow the life of God in this world. But you know the priests, they had to do something before they could properly sow the word of God in this world. And you know what that was? They had to take that holy water and sacrifice that lamb for themselves and they had to confess their sins and they had to get all clean with God before they could go into that holy of holies. I imagine you've heard the story about them having bells all around them. Even had a rope tied onto one of their legs, you know, so that when they got back in there, see, he's the only one that could go back there. And if he wasn't clean enough when he got back there and God slapped him down, they'd, they'd hear those bells stop ringing and they'd know he was dead. So they'd drag him back out. One priest hit the dust. You know what I mean? Now, I hope you're with me. But I'm saying this. If you want to sow the Word of God and reap the Word of God, you've got to sow to the Spirit. Your heart, your mind, your soul has to be clean with God. 
If those priests were not clean before they went out and ministered to the people, they could have not ministered God's word in purity. If you're not clean and confessed and living that holy and righteous life, if you're not studying to show yourself approved, renewing your mind so that you can begin to prove the perfect will of God outwardly in your life, it's not going to be effective. If you sow to the Spirit, if you sow the Word of God which is down inside of you to the Spirit that rules your mind, that Spirit will flush out of you, out of your temple, and it will minister in the power and the Spirit of God. But if you try to minister that same Spirit that lives inside of you as a Christian with a corrupt mind and a corrupt thought life, you know what it's going to do? It's going to quench the Spirit. You're not going to be effective. Some of you know what I'm talking about this morning. Some of you know what quenching the Spirit. How many know what quenching the Spirit is? You know what quenches the Spirit? The flesh. The flesh. The things that you're doing that nobody else knows about. 